welcome to the Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast. I'm Karen Wright Marsh, and this is the place to find beautiful and broken companions for your everyday pilgrimage. Do you wonder if Christian faith can be truly lived in today's complex and changing world? Well, here you'll find embodied witnesses, Christians from different eras and different cultures. They're people we sometimes call saints, but they were also sinners just like you and me. Today, I'm here for a special conversation with Reverend Dr. Alton B. Pollard III, and I'm happy you're here with us. It is such a pleasure to welcome the Reverend Dr. Alton B. Pollard III to the Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast. Dr. Pollard is a national scholar, an author, and a speaker. He served the Academy as Religion and Culture Dean at Howard University and is Director of Black Church Studies and the Chair of American Religious Cultures at Emory University. He is also an ordained Baptist minister who's pastored from Massachusetts to Tennessee. And not too long ago, Dr. Pollard combined his scholarly and his pastoral skills to take on the role of president of Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Among his many publications are his books, Mysticism and Social Change, The Social Witness of Howard Thurman, and a new edition of W.E.B. Du Bois' The Negro Church, Alton, thank you for joining me for this conversation. Well, thank you, Karen, for having me today. Well, Alton, you lead an influential institution, the Louisville Presbyterian Seminary. I'm a Presbyterian pastor's kid myself, so I thank you. Oh, And um, I see that the stated mission is around building bridges, and I'm interested to know how that work of bridge building is happening in your leadership and where you see it going from here. Well, Karen, when I came to Louisville Seminary, I understood that I was inheriting a, a, a great and historic legacy at the institution. Louisville Seminary is one of nine or 10, depending on the count, of seminaries of the PCUSA. And of those institutions, LPTS is the only one who can claim as its uh, historical antecedent, a formal relationship with both the Northern and Southern segments of the Presbyterian Church in uh, the U.S., dating back prior to the Civil War and in the period uh, thereafter. And so the bridge building was, I I think, an effort to give celebration to, I think, rightful celebration to the fact that This was an institution that sat near the middle of the country, uh, sitting uh, geographically poised between both segments of our society geographically, but also in many respects culturally. And I arrive in 2018 as 
a person who uh, you may know um, did not have a history in the Presbyterian Church. And so the invitation from the Board of Trustees and from the seminary was essentially, I think, a form of what I consider to be bold outreach and initiative indicating that the seminary wanted to uh, extend its understandings of what it means to be an inclusive witness and inspiring witness in uh, the 21st century. And uh, with my own very ecumenical background, the invitation to become president was, uh, was cast. And I came because I was so terribly excited by the prospect of being able to practice in yet another vineyard, if you will, the commitments that uh, my life has long uh, taken to work toward building those institutions and those communities and those relationships across the various divides that we have in our society that so often seem to be insurmountable to many. It is my deepest conviction that uh, no matter the divides in our society and in our world, and there's no question they are they are many and they are deep, but we serve a God that is more expansive still. And we're putting those notions to the test now at LPTS, at Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, moving in a direction that continues to give vitality and recognition to the bridge building uh, legacy of LPTS, but also recognizing that what was once lauded as a reconciliation of sorts between North and South, yet and still was uh, incomplete insofar as mm -hmm. the seminary still was not poised in its earliest iterations to include women, African-Americans, persons of color, and certainly not outwardly lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgendered students. And so we continue to expand our understanding of what it means to be human. We continue to deepen our celebration of the utter authenticity of all persons. And this is where the language that we have increasingly moved into with respect to, I guess you could say, the mantra that I have brought to the seminary of whosoever. Whosoever, which is a singular word taken from John 3.16 and the Christian New Testament, which for me has for decades come to be an apt recognition that uh, there is no person that lies beyond the pale of the divine, that whether we're talking about in the Christian orbit or beyond, every human being is absolutely affirmed in the presence of uh, the universe, um, however those designations are given. And at Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, we are operating out of the genius, in my estimation, of a particular denominational ethos that continually seeks to reform itself. And I would uh, dare say is now in the 21st century moving to a posture of transformation, which means that the best of the tradition is reaching out to new 
uh, ways of understanding itself that will deepen and broaden and enrich it. It's such a powerful uh, vision that you have. And I love the idea of, you know, building on the past, but looking towards the future. And as you look into this, this new witness of inclusion, what are the stories that you tell your staff, your students, your board? Who are the witnesses who speak to you as examples of what you would like to be and what you would like to see. I'm always looking back to the saints who can help lead us forward. Yes. So as one who was not Presbyterian before, I am uh, pleased to say that I have become part of a local Presbyterian congregation. And so, and what I have shared among others is um, the recalling of Presbyterians that, uh, some people have forgotten. Yeah, one of my one of my nearest and dearest friends uh, passed away uh, in just the last uh, couple of months. You may know the name of Gayrod Wilmore. Yes, um, and Gayrod was largely unknown to the seminary, and in my experience, largely unknown to many in the PCUSA world because uh, his biography largely precedes the. Uh, mergers in the 1980s that uh, led to the PUC USA. I met him in the in the 70s through one of my mentors, C. Eric Lincoln, who was a prominent uh, sociologist of uh, Black religion in the United States, and um, he and Gayra were very close. And um, since that time, until his uh, passing earlier this year, I stayed uh, very close to Gayra and. Last year, in fact, in my first year as president, the first honorary doctorate that Louisville Seminary ever gave to an individual was to Gayrod Wilmore. And um, I wanted to simply share with our community not only the importance of his magnificent witness, but to also remind us all that we have elders in our midst and we have persons who have already gone before us. And uh, if we can honor them while they are yet in, still alive, even better. Gerard passed at the age of uh, 98, and um, he is uh, sorely missed by me. So he's one of those persons who really was transformative for me. His book, Black Religion and Black Radicalism, was what set the table for me in college. I read it uh, as an undergraduate and continue to read it in its various editions thereafter. And he always thought that was rather comical, that this particular book. But I said, you know, I know so many people who this book impacted, yeah. and he he knew that to be the case. So Gayrod, Howard Thurman, of course, Karen, you know, is near and dear to me. I wrote my dissertation on Thurman right after he passed in uh, 1981. And, couple of years later, I went and stayed with uh, Sue Bailey, his beloved, in San Francisco and uh, wrote a significant portions of my dissertation living with her there. And so I would have my conversations with Howard Thurman in the morning, and I would have them with with Sue Bailey at breakfast. And, and then I would get to writing and just uh, another tremendous opportunity. So I could just go on and on and on about the people who have been impactful for me. I can honestly say, Karen, and I think, oh, I know our conversation today will will touch upon this in some respects, that many of the people 
who have been most significant for my theological formation, for my faith journey, have ironically been people who oftentimes have not really been identified in theological education as persons who are noteworthy of those kinds of recognitions. And until we have a broader understanding of what it means to be a faithful witness, I think we're going to be derelict. You've heard me, of course, talk about you know my spouse. I would say the same thing about my parents. And the folk here at LPTS know that uh, I take nothing for granted when it comes to my mother and father having uh, having shaped me and made me the the person I am today. My parents came from uh, from Mississippi, the Delta region. They, right. they left in 1955. They left in the midst of the Emmett Till lynching, and um, they didn't look back. And like so many. African Americans uh, in that period, they wanted to make sure that uh, their children or any children that they had would be able to have a better uh, opportunity in life than uh, than they. Uh, my father grew up sharecropping, and I remember literally until my adult years going to visit my grandmother with my grandfather, long deceased, my uh, father having 16 uh, siblings and there was uh, only the outhouse and the, uh, you know, the slop jars and all of those things, uh, because that was what uh, sharecropping rendered for people in the African American experience. And thankfully, we're seeing some of that pass away, but there's still so much that has to be to be done. And so I, I just kind of leave it there. Individuals have really impacted me deeply. My seventh grade. English teacher. What was her? Um, a woman or a man? Yes, a woman. Her name was Lois Dobbins. Lois Dobbins. Um, Lois Dobbins changed my life. Uh, Lois Dobbins was the first African-American teacher I ever had. In fact, she was the only African-American teacher. Was that in Minneapolis? Is that where you- St. Paul, oh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Right. <laughs> right. The only teacher I ever had who <laughs> was Black. And, um, and, and I'll never forget- I wrote a, a piece on mentoring. Uh, in it, I talked about entering seventh grade, which in Minnesota meant that you were starting junior high. And I know in, in many places it's middle school and sixth grade, but for us it was seventh grade and junior high. And um, I was dancing on top of the desk and uh, the very first day of classes. And she, <laughs> you know, she walked in, she caught me dancing, and uh, I was. Uh, Marvin Gaye's uh, I Heard It Through the Grapevine was playing, and I was just having a, a great time. And as soon as she came in, I jumped off my, my desk, and the, uh, someone in the class said, you know, Mrs. Dobbins, you know, Alton was doing so-and-so. And, and uh, she just came in, and she said, matter-of-factly, I, I, I know who he is, and I know his parents. Oh. And um, that was pretty much the end of... <laughs> Dancing, <laughs> yeah, the end of me in seventh grade. Um, she, I, what I did not know was that she was a member of our church, and our church was fairly large. And I was young and not paying much attention to the adults unless I had to. And um, through the course of the year, she took the young, rambunctious, still wet behind the ears young man, and being one of a very few 
number of African-American students uh, in our school, she made sure that I did not get lost. Mm -hmm. She made sure that I would have a pathway. And by the end of the academic year, I would always treasure her. And I would go by and visit her on occasion before her passing a, a few years ago and um, make sure that she knew how much I appreciated later what I could not understand at that time, that her her sense of discipline for me was a firm sense of love uh, for the possibilities that she saw in me. And um, because of that, I really do believe that my academic trajectory and more important, my moral formation, born of persons like her and my parents, coming out of our African-American church in a city that had a very few African-Americans to begin with, and growing up in an all-white community that proved to be horrendous for me. I think all of that uh, really paved the way for my self-understanding of how terribly important it is to affirm the, the inherent worth of every person, uh, every life form, the inherent worth of of life itself. And so I've continued to go down that pathway. And at LPTS, I have found ready partners who are, I think, also very enthused about the human project and about the, the life project that we can present in our own small neck of the woods to share in uh, ministry preparations for persons who come through our doors that will, we, we hope, prove life nourishing for a world that is in, in sore need. We, um, we, we're at a place, I think, now where we can no longer afford to simply be rhetorical about our embrace of each other. We must practice it. And I came to LPTS to practice. And uh, I'm excited that now entering my third year, uh, we have accomplished so much already. And in the midst of where we are in pandemic, on top of pandemic, there's no better time to be in this uh, witness than now. If we have not prepared ourselves for times of trial and times of stress and times of, of crisis, uh, I'm not quite sure what the preparation has been for in the first place. And so people like Thurman and, of course, you know, uh, Du Bois and Toni Morrison and so many others that I could mention, but the, the Lois Dobbins and the Alton Juniors, my father, the Lena Pollard, my mother, and, and my beloved Jessica and our children, and now our children's children uh, are just um, showing me every day how great is the faithfulness of God. Amen. Thank you for these these stories of your personal saints and to be able to say to one another of one another, I know who he is and I know who his parents are. You know, what what more could we offer to each other than that kind of uh, seeing and knowing of one another and loving each other? So th yes. thank you for your, your leadership and for your re reflection and really for your words of hope for us at this time when they are so needed. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, Karen.
speaking with Dr. Pollard, I'm reminded again of how very much I have to learn and how many stories of incredible faithful people have yet to be told. As you and I navigate the ups and downs of our lives, let's lean on the wisdom, the generosity, the strength and courage of those followers of Jesus who've gone before us. I'm Karen Wright Marsh, the Executive Director of Theological Horizons, a ministry based in Charlottesville at the University of Virginia. I'd love to hear from you. Come by my website, karenwrightmarsh.com. There you'll find show notes and learn about my book, Vintage Saints and Sinners. Download free printable study guides for your small group or just for yourself and keep the conversation going. Thanks to the generosity of the Lloyd and Vivian Noble Foundation and to the Friends of Theological Horizons. The Vintage Saints and Sinners podcast is produced by Gabriel Hunter Chang. Our music is by Will Marsh of Gold Connections.